Welcome back to Rock's Fall, Everyone Dies. I'm Scott, he, him, and I'm the DM. Hi, I'm Tommy, he, him pronouns, and I play Lieutenant Banked Marceau. Hi, I'm DeSombra, she, her pronouns, and I play Greg. Hi, I'm Lena, she, her, and I play Sanjana. Hi, I'm Jin, they, them, and I play Bambi. So what is everyone doing with their downtime at the keep? Let's go out. Let's go in order of who got back home first. No. Sanjana. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I'm still thinking. Aw. All right, fine. Then let's go in reverse order of who got home first. No. <laughs> yeah, so Banked would have been the last one, Bank. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Because yeah, he spent the night in I town. Spent the night. Yeah. So, as I'm walking back to the keep, I'm still reading the letter. I get to the keep, I pocket the letter, whatnot. What I would do casually, is this like a within a week or is this within like in a day? Yeah, within like the week. You have relative downtime. There's certain things you have to do, like orders that you're given and tasks that you're supposed to carry out because right. you are an undead servant. Mm -hmm. But what do you do with the couple hours a day of non work time? I think uh, I'm going to ask if there is a room that I could turn into a martial training room, and I am going to try to fix that up to have, like, dummies and whatnot. So I'm going to try to spend time to train with a uh, longsword. Okay, well, if that is the case, since that is the case, it's probably, as part of your duties, you would be task-managing the Undead Umber Hulk in digging out new areas in the underground caverns um, and creating- Wait, wait, wait. The, the Umber Hulk is now an undead that works with us? Yes. I'm so pissed. Okay, cool, continue. It's an earth mover. <laughs> you gave Khaled the best tool sure. for the building of his sure. underground lair. Yeah. You're serving an evil necromancer. Of course you're gonna be serving with the undead Umber Hulk. I just want people to take note that I'm gonna be really passive aggressive to the Umber Hulk. <laughs> It, it is a zombie Umber Hulk, so sure, passive yeah. aggressive away. Can we take notice that we have been turned into zombies by DJ Khaled? <laughs> I mean, all he does is win. It's very important. <laughs> and another one. And another one. And another one. It's a wonder he has so many undead. Uh, yeah, so is the martial training room going to be underground? Yeah, it would be underground. Okay. Sure. I mean, any new rooms or spaces are all going to be underground. Everything above ground is going to be either for Khaled's personal use or for show. Sure. But the real layer is underground, and it's being actively built. The keep is, this is one of those, like, four-story, four towers with, like, wizard cones on the tops of the towers and a sort of pointed center roof. You've got four floors, and each tower is given over to some specific task, and Khaled is constantly redecorating and adding things and changing things. Sure. It is the North Tower, the Staff Tower, that underneath that, there is a split-level basement-style kitchen with a side door that leads off to like the side of a, an area inside the bailey. There is a, a scullery and a kitchen, and there is, underneath that, the cellars. So the cellars is where they keep the casks of wine and brandy and what have you. And there's basically this giant crumbling hole in the wall that leads into a cavern system that extends out past the keep into the northern hillside. He wouldn't have made the hole into a door? 
Well, that might have happened in the week and a half. I mean, one of you would probably have been supervising the zombies that were laying the bricks, but it would be replaced at some point by a secret door or one of those bookshelf that spins. Ooh, a bookshelf that spins. Or a fake giant barrel where you open by like turning the spout and like it opens a doorway. Yeah. It's a washing machine that you open and crawl into. <laughs> And then your jerk siblings turn it on and you spin around for a little while and get terribly injured. Yeah. God. I almost tried that once. Fun time. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> We've gone off topic. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I, out of curiosity, I remember the huge labyrinth system. Yes. Is there like a straight way through or do we have to remember how to go through the labyrinth. You have to remember, uh, but there's been some stuff that's been going on in that area. Um, I can go into it a little bit more now, but- I'm, I was just curious. It'll come up as it comes up. Let's, let's just say that none of this underground area has gone to waste. The pile of bat guano and bones and stuff has been like basically harvested for spell components. And the catacomb area has been desecrated and unhallowed so that anything that dies there rises as an uncontrolled zombie. And, and there's like rooms and stuff built into the first open area that you were in. And it's been like shoring up and the zombies have been building structures down there. And it's been a constant construction site. Yeah. So this place looks completely different than it did before. And it's always getting like bigger and scarier and like more intense. Yeah. And you've been down there a bunch of times. But yes, in terms of can you build a martial training area... Sure, you can have one. It would be built into the first opening area, which is where all of these sort of holding cell type areas for the zombies and your personal rooms are all down there. Okay. Your own little personal space as sort of a undead lieutenant, as it were. Do we pay rent? Do we pay rent? I mean, we're undead. I think we've paid enough. <laughs> it's true. With my soul. <laughs> exactly. In the same way that uh, servants back in like the early days would pay rent you live there you work there you get a salary it's not a very good salary well we get paid no oh i got excited for like half a second we don't even get paid in flesh we had to go looking for our own flesh yeah he doesn't even bring us food <laughs> yeah this guy sucks he doesn't even feed us <laughs> our boss sucks we need to unionize. Unionize. <sighs> yeah, we we need to unionize the undead union. Undead rights. So you do get meals, but you don't get humans. You don't get sentient beings to consume. In the Bailey area that's surrounded by the outer wall, there's livestock being tended to by skeletons with sheep with shepherd crooks and stuff. There's sheep out there, there's a couple of goats, there's some pigs, there's some chickens, there's a greenhouse. It, it's a farm. It's a functioning farm that essentially grows enough food and livestock to have the only living being present in this area set for the rest of his life. The rest of you, well, yeah. So, um, I feel like we've got off topic. All this started with me asking Bank, like, what do you do in your downtime? But okay, you, you build the training area. Yeah, I imagine it takes a while for it to look nice and stuff. A lot of stuff is probably made of rocks and like random bits of wood that you found. Sure. Because I don't imagine you being the sort of person to go out and chop a tree down for yourself. I would probably fail horribly. And I think it would be fun that I would fail horribly, but I would probably try. I'd, I'd probably be like, oh, it, it, it can't be that difficult, right? And then I would go out and I would just, you know, 
like lose everything, come home crying. Like that <laughs> from Hoodwinked, where he's like trying to chop down that huge tree and it takes him like eight days. Yeah, really. Bambi and Greg, y'all were the next ones to come back from town with your little adventure with the spiders. What does Greg's downtime look like? Didn't did we discuss this? Um, I feel like it's yeah, going to be a lot of... It. Oh, yeah, now we're being recorded. True. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of doing nothing. <laughs> um, I, I think he may get into some mischief in the sense of in his boredom, he's going to try to do things like bet with people and try to play poker and maybe sneak around to see if there's any ways out. In terms of who you're playing poker with, let me let me give you a rundown. You have your choice. There's a bunch of skeletons, there's a handful of zombies, and then there's your fellow sentient PCs. Who do you want to play poker with? Understanding that you can dress them up however you like if they are not sentient. <laughs> if, let's be real. He's going to fill the table with the people that he can control in order to like win the game. <laughs> He's not going to play fair. He'd probably want banked at the table just so he could steal his money. <laughs> Most likely it's going to be a lot of farting around. But like, he's also trying to find it out. You do notice that the farther you get without specific permission, the harder and harder it is. Like the more, imagine like, you remember the Harry Potter movies? Vaguely, yeah. The Like second to last one where there's that high-pitched squeal, which to this day, I cannot watch that movie without getting a migraine. It's kind of like that. Like the farther you get from it, the louder and more obnoxious it gets without permission. Is that is that a vampire thing or is that a like there's these traps set because... It's hard to tell without more research. It could be a vampire thing. It could be a spell thing. It's like a dog with an invisible fence. Oh, that's awful. Khaled doesn't want us to leave. He's going to try anyway, and he's going to keep doing it because he's an idiot. <laughs> he's not going to learn. He's just going to keep doing the same thing because he's very stubborn. I mean, I don't know if that's like come across, but he's a stubborn person. He's a stubborn old man who's just going to keep doing it and complaining about it <laughs> and make everyone else around him really miserable. Wonderful. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Bambi, what do you do with your downtime? I think it's going to be a combination of... Um... She goes and helps everybody out. She likes to be in the room when um, when Greg plays poker. It's kind of standing over his shoulder and like asking him soft questions of like how it works, and laughing as the skeletons like, you know, are absolute morons because they aren't sentient. Describe one of the skeletons for me. How did how did Greg dress up the skeleton? Probably in like random clothes that he found around. Until he gets banked at the table, he probably has dressed one of them up as banked. But rather than using Banks' clothes, it's like a t-shirt with like curtains pinned to the back for the cape and like something and, that's been and like, and like a, and like a mop for blonde hair. <laughs> <laughs> like clearly you. Like an elementary school production. <laughs> yeah, a little piece of paper that's been like scribbled on with charcoal and pinned around his his wrist for like the black bracelet that he wears. It's very meticulously put together. He's paid such wonderful attention to detail, but he has no supplies. Perfect. 
the same rings, the same hair. He's gone through and like crushed some marigolds and dipped the mop in marigolds for the for the blonde hair. But it's done with like zero actual supply. Do I see this at all? <laughs> we probably hide it when you come into the room. We're like, you get out of here. Stand in the closet. Okay. <laughs> if the situation doesn't permit it, then she just likes to sit and be in the company. It's very new for her to have friends, to have a little community, however disjointed that community might be. Even though she and Banks don't exactly get along, she does like to pop her head in and ask, uh, y'all need any help when Banks doing something? Or just like, you know, she likes to offer her services because having some sort of a community is something that is very new to her and she wants to treasure that. But on the days where she's not with someone else, she is using the time that she's not going to destroy a book. Uh, in the evenings and at night, she's trying very hard to study up on uh, the nature of a necromancer and their specific situations. Like what what to know about Greg's situation, what to know about Sanjana's situation, what to know about her own situation. Even if it's just a little bit of literature, it's going in the notebook. She's actually like trying to look for ways to help them in the long run. And when Greg needs help going into a room, she's his little accomplice that when he can't go into an area, he sends Bambi. Since they've already talked about the two of them are also looking for an escape. So Sanjana, last but certainly not least, what do you do in your downtime? Sanjana has decided to work through her guilt through beautifying the uh, surrounding area. She will be spending some time making creepy dolls to drop off at random spots with creepy notes implying that they're lost children that need to be saved by who whoever finds them. Oh, so good. That's so good. I love that so much. <laughs> oh, yes. Are we talking like the little tennis ball and handkerchief with a rubber band style like dolls? Are we talking sticks? Like, oh, oh, like little stick dolls. Little creepy stick dolls with rags for clothes that clearly were like ripped off of victims. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag evidence dolls. Oh. Basically. They have like they have like these little sad signs pinned to them like please love me my mama didn't love me oh. will you take me home daddy didn't save me when my heart was ripped out the wolf got to me before my brother maybe you'll be faster <laughs> we're talking Robert the doll level dolls and I'm living for it. <laughs> This is the kind of thing that you bring home out of guilt and then you're terrified to let out of the bathroom. You put it in a yes. and you're like, you know, I'll just leave you there. I feel guilty throwing you out, but like, at least you have a home now. I'm actually speechless. There's at least one person in, that's in the town that decides to make a mission of it to just collect all the dolls and create a shrine. Like the whole island of the dolls in Mexico. Exactly. I'm thinking exactly kind of like that. Just yeah, just from like trees. Tiny trees, little oh, shrine in a, in, a, in, a, in a shed. Candles. He becomes a creepy doll man. Yes. <sighs> that is fun. <laughs> um, 
Um, also, <laughs> the woods just got real creepy. All right. <laughs> yep. Um, also, Sanjana would like to see if she could get maybe a workshop going so that she can start crafting some cool things. What manner of things? You know, like trap doors, the saw woman in half kind of thing, like things to run a long con, like a carnival. Interesting. Yeah. In fact, if you go to Khaled actually asking for that space, he will like gladly approve. He'll even give you some upstairs space, like some area out in the open in the Bailey, like a wood shop type area. Oh, perfect. Because these are the sorts of things that he is actually very pleased by. Yes. <laughs> and the dolls. <laughs> The dolls, everybody has their thing. I mean, it's, I, he's really more for power, but, you know, creepiness is a power, I guess. <laughs> They're made with love. But yeah, he'd be more than happy for you to have you have your own woodshop shed. Awesome. Yeah, so you're set up in the Bailey for that. Uh, she'd probably love to go in and learn, try to learn a little bit of woodworking. Um, after she finds out that Sanjana has her workshop, Okay, now I have a good idea about what you guys are up to in your downtime. So let me go ahead and tell you what you guys are doing when you're on duty, quote unquote. Khaled has hired contractors at the recommendation of the Our Holy Matron of Commerce Bank of Rome's Landing, PLC. He's hired Pitts and Sons traps. He's using them to install traps. They're starting with Calypso's Tower, which Calypso is the ghost that haunts the pipe organ in the Western Tower. Every morning, Khaled has gotten up and he's gone to the top of that tower. He's slowly building something over time. He's hired these contractors to install traps and such throughout the entire tower to fortify the place. But he doesn't necessarily want these contractors to know that he is a necromancer. So what he's had you guys doing is running interference. He's had them staying at the top of the North Staff Tower, and every morning, one of you is supposed to escort them to their work area, and the rest of you are running interference to make sure that none of the zombies and skeletons are, like, doing household chores in the area that they might come across. And so they are none the wiser. In fact, the tower that they're staying in doesn't even have a view of the Bailey where you've got shepherd skeletons tending sheep. You're also being tasked with bringing the contractors their meals, taking those meals from the downstairs kitchen where the skeleton chef, Bon Appetit, is preparing them every day. That's his name? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm so sad. <laughs> This skeleton is a standard skeleton, but he's wearing a chef's apron and a chef's hat, and he's got this little pencil on French mustache. That's amazing. Yeah, somebody's eyeliner was stole. I'm 100% assuming that one of you has taught him to chef's kiss. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I'm going to be spending a lot of time in the kitchen cooking stuff that I cannot eat. And torturing Bambi. Yeah. Because she can smell it, but not eat it. <laughs> so your job during the day when they are working is to run interference. Except Greg, who's active at night, it's his night duty to make sure that they're not leaving their tower or whatever. And also every day, one of you is tasked with uh, escorting the shipments that are coming in for their work. The lumber, the iron, the mechanical parts, all the stuff that's being brought in from town. But if any of you are interested, the Pitts and Sons Traps is a family business owned by Jeremy Pitts Sr., with his son, Jeremy Pitts Jr., and his grandson, Jeremy Tripp Pitts III, and his other son, Eric Pitts, 
and his wife Tiffany Pitts. That's T apostrophe F A apostrophe N I. Oh, a very Vulcan name. Yes. So it was Jeremy Pitts Sr. Jeremy Pitts Jr. There was Eric and his wife Tiffany. Tiffany, and a trip. Yeah, Jeremy Pitts the third trip. Okay. So Jeremy Sr. <laughs> Jeremy Jr. Pitts P I T T S. P I T T S. Yes. So every morning, you're delivering the materials they need to the West Tower, Calypso's Tower, or rather supervising the transport of these building materials. And the traps that are being built are things like trap portcullises that are going to drop with iron spikes on the bottom and stairs that become a slope and like little grease trap. They're making this area really hard to break in from above and below. One of you would probably know what's being built up there is a teleportation circle, but that takes a full year, so... It's going to take him a while to actually complete this project. And materials, right? Oh, yeah. Tons of materials. Like chalks and stuff. I know how he's getting these materials for the spell. He has this stockpile. Oh. And in case you hadn't figured it out by now, he bought this place cash up front. He's a high-level wizard. High-level wizards tend to be very rich. Did he earn this money, or did he come from money? Greg would know because it came up during Greg's awakening, but he used to be an adventurer like you before he took an arrow to the knee. No, never mind. God. I love that. So did he come into this money? Yes. Did he come into this money legitimately? Probably not. Every day, the butler zombie, who he seems to have a particular affinity with, is tasked as being his personal valet. Husband? Question mark? No. Okay. <laughs> yes. This zombie butler, he's wearing proper butler uniform, like freshly pressed every day. But this is the same zombie that had that tray with the black envelope for Sanjana before, the jawless one. Does he have a name? You've never heard Khaled actually say it. Should we give him a name? If you want to, but... Yves. Mr. Butler. <laughs> Mr. Yves Butler. <laughs> All right, whatever you want to call him. Yves, it like is. Like the French singer, Y-V-E-S. Yves Butler, <laughs> the third. Wait, does he do what a traditional valet would do? Yes, he dresses him in the morning. Starting to look a little bit gay. <laughs> starting to. But it doesn't look like a wholesome relationship. It looks like Khaled is particularly delighted by humiliating this zombie creature. Ah, um, so there's history there. Anyway, that's what your day-to-day -day looks like. It consists of running interference and doing menial tasks and uh, essentially fetching and supervising the undead under Khaled's control. It is late spring. It's been maybe a week to a week and a half since you guys came back from your night on the town. And Khaled summons the four of you. It is about sunset by this point, so all four of you can be present. And he summons you to his laboratory at the top of the East Tower and has you all arrayed. He's got his hands pursed together, him and his corpse bride, Victor, looking skinniness with those matte black eyes and white hair, and he's just waiting for you all to enter. He gathers you and quiets you down. Good news, everyone. Two months ago, I began this project, an exhausting and grueling task, made more so by the added pressure of moving to a new country. But now the task is complete, and it is with great pride that I introduce you to the culmination of my efforts. And with that, he flourishes, and a pair of skeletons that are behind him pull a sheet off of a slab, and there is a creature on this slab, held down by iron bands, covered in stitches, 
with a few different tones of flesh. Starting from the feet and working your way up, you can tell that the creature is roughly human, but clearly it took more than one and perhaps some other animals as well to like fill in the gaps. But the face of the creature is sewn together, half blonde, half brunette, all familiar. <laughs> no way! Fist bomb! <laughs> My first golem! He turns to the creature and he commands, speak! And you just hear, uh, We're still working on vocabulary. Yeah, you're not going to get too far with that. I don't think you're going to get much. <laughs> yeah, that's about him, right? Yeah, have, have fun, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a bronster. Uh, bronster, beautiful. Uh, I was going with Frankenbro, but okay. Frankenbro. <laughs> Does that mean that DJ Khaled <laughs> is Dr. Frankenbro? Dr. Frankenbro! Oh, that's awesome. Daddy Bones, Dr. Frankenbro. We're giving him more and more nicknames every day. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> Title of the episode, Frankenbro. <laughs> Frankenbro. There it is. Mark it. <laughs> also, while I have all of you gathered, I have a number of tasks for you. An old friend and colleague of mine from the old country is coming with some of his acolytes. They'll be teleporting in in the morning. They are to be made comfortable on the fourth floor guest apartments. So I have tasks for each of you to prepare for their arrival. Bambi and Sanjana, I would like you to be fresh to greet them in the morning. I'm ordering the two of you to go to bed this instant. Bengt and Greg, you will be tasked with supervising the zombies and converting the rooms over for ready use. That will be your evening chores, in addition to making sure that the contractors are safely escorted back to their quarters in the tower. Are there any questions? Is there any way that we should spruce this up? Are they living? Yes, actually. This old friend of mine, he's a demonologist. He's coming for a spell exchange, so what I'd like is for you to make their quarters nicely appointed, provide them with as much ink and parchment as they need, and make sure that all of their other needs are met. Right. What do you mean by other needs? Is there anything specific that you have in mind? Well, he'll be bringing some young acolytes, so I assume, I don't know, toys or something, whatever children do. Wait. When you say young, how young are we talking about here? Well, I know that some of them are teenagers. Okay, so not toddlers. I should hope not. Teleporting. It's really nasty business. That can do terrible things to a young one's constitution. Yes, and we also have zombies around here, and, you know, I don't want to scar the little ones. Perhaps you didn't hear me when I said these are demonologists. All right. Uh, question. Are these apartments already made? or These are apartments we... already exist on the fourth floor of the We're keep. We're just furnishing it. Yeah, for a basic floor plan, imagine that the fourth floor of the keep is divided into four wedges. Okay. Two of those wedges are Khaled's personal quarters, and the other two wedges are each a guest apartment. Oh, him got a big room. Yes. So we're moving furniture. Yes. Or rather specifically, the skeletons and zombies are moving furniture for you. because We're doing interior decorating. That's why he chose Bent. (laughs) He also chose Greg, because Greg is normally up on night duty anyway. Uh. All right. Uh, I shall make it look as pretty as you like. That's why I chose you. Now, you have your orders. Dismissed. 
Greg, how do you think that we should decorate the room? I was thinking velvet and really awfully, overly fancy things, making it awful. <laughs> like crushed velvet walls? Yeah, that's kind of where I was thinking. <laughs> I think Greg would be into that, yeah. Yeah. Either that or like wood paneling. Oh, I want something so gaudy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just disgustingly gaudy. Oh, yeah. Gold-crusted everything. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. So, white marble, gold-crusted everything, and, like, you know those plastic covers? Like, when you go to an old person's house? <laughs> yes. You realize you have one night. I feel like Greg is really going to concentrate on those plastic covers. I think that even if we can't do plastic covers, we should make everything look really nice, but on there, there should be science that says, don't sit here. <laughs> like, like de- for decoration only. Is there like a spell you guys can use to like... I don't have any spells. But there are people you could ask. Can Prestidiviation create plastic covers for chairs? Wait, these are the nice chairs. You gotta put some covers over those chairs. <laughs> this is the nice stuff. Oh. Yeah, but it's for them to sit on. No, no, you gotta put the plastic covers on it and you look at it. You don't sit on it. I'm going to try to find some quartz that would cost less than a gold piece. And I'm going to try to use my jeweler's tools to make it look like little goodie bags for for wizard spellcasting components. Ugh. And I'll be like, oh, these are totally worth 50 gold pieces or whatever it is. <laughs> Complimentary from the staff. Jeez. Oh, you guys have folded all the towels into little animal shapes. <laughs> I feel like of all the people to pick out the decor, <laughs> ours is going to be the absolute gaudiest. Yeah, going to be absolutely gaudy. I, I need to do some research. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of like mahogany wood paneling and crushed red velvet. Yes. And le- it's not gold, not gold, brass. Brass everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would like to hand make a brass chandelier. <laughs> oh, jeez, you gotta have the chandelier. In one night. No candles. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> and like, attach it to the ceiling. <laughs> it's like, not even gonna be done. It's just, he's gonna walk in and we're still putting it together. He's like, what are you doing? And we're like, it's uh, not ready. We're, we're, I'm gonna be like, I, I spent too many time looking up origami. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna be like, crying in a pile of origami towels. I'm trying Oh, God. This is Extreme Home Makeover Keep Edition. Hey, Scott, can I make a performance check for origami? Yes, please do. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It needs to be real bad. Uh, 16. Okay, that's okay. 16. It is a moderate success. Okay. I'm going to put a a name on it, and it's going to be named Mr. Demon. And we're going to make it look like he's waving hello at the people that's entering the room. Sure. I don't think you can do that with a 16, but okay. Sure. Yeah, no, 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 no. It just, looks really bad. I'm going to try. That's that's where I want it to. I want it to look real bad. <laughs> oh my God, we've already been talking for an hour. Rip. Oh God. It's all my fault. <laughs> Red velvet. <laughs> Uh, I just love the image of Banked like sitting with a pile of like not even like origami. not even just like not even like paper origami like towel origami especially on the bathroom floor sitting 
and sobbing. Oh my god. Greg opens the door and just sees you look up and just go closes the door slowly. Wow. Does Greg have like a velvet cape? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> it just gets better. Greg, could you stand with your back to the wall and try to camouflage yourself into the room? I'm real curious. Because <laughs> if you're velvet capable, you look like you're part of the wall. <laughs> that can work. Just like hide. Uh, I'm pretty big though. I would love for you to scare demonologists and go eh, just like while they're sleeping, expecting nothing bad to happen. <laughs> I'm a vampire. Blah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like because he probably feels like he like needs to lean into it, kind of like Nick Cage and vampires. Case he's just like running around going blah blah. blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm into it. And then somewhere we have to put our signature, decorated by garlic and ooze. Because you have a team of skeletons and zombies doing the work essentially for you of like moving things up and down the towers and setting things up, uh, and they don't take breaks and they don't rest and they do the task until it is accomplished. A lot of the skilled labor you have to do, but basically you're just giving the zombies orders and they're doing it for you. Yeah. So with that, I would say that you work relatively quickly uh, and you are able to do one room in this crazy done-up fashion. And let's just say that it's the room for the demonologist. Sure. The other room for his acolytes, who are all bunking <laughs> together, is going to have to be very Spartan. And basically, you've got three bunk beds up in there. <laughs> it's like a barracks. <laughs> Instead of three bunk beds, can we all just have beds that are attached by a rope to the ceiling? Like, there's no beds under or over any of the bunk beds. They're just in midair. They're just all hanging. So you're basically creating racks. Yeah. We're creating hammocks with A wood. bunch of teenagers playing on those things is going to be a disaster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this room is set up with no decoration, none of that stuff, and basically just rack beds. You find some ratty pillows or something <laughs> and some thin blankets. You just toss them in there. Hey, Greg. What do you think of us taking half of the stuff from the demonologist room and putting it into into the barracks room? Yeah. But haphazardly, because we got 30 minutes left. But, <laughs> but you know, just throw the crushed red velvet against the wall and, and hope it works out. <laughs> we could, like, nail it to the wall almost. Nail it to the wall! <laughs> Gotta make this place look nice! Rather than uh-huh. staple gun from God. the first room, it's, like, nails that are hanging out of the wall. <laughs> the first room is ridiculously gaudy, and you spent all your time making the towels, like, all origami and stuff. And the second room, you've just nailed some velvet to a wall and put some rack beds <laughs> up. <laughs> are there any, like, feathers or pearls that we could, like, leave around to at least make it look like we tried? Bambi, for the first time in a long while, you are finally in that empty black space. For one reason or another, you've been sort of putting off coming here, but this infinite empty black area, it's very different now. There is constant floating spores just everywhere. And whenever you try to build something, just to flex those muscles that you haven't used in a while, whatever it is, is always covered in a tangled mass of rotting vines streaked with blackened mold. That's upsetting. (laughs) Emotionally. You're in here for a little while, 
trying to get your bearings and learn how to build things again, when you see this little gray, shiny, moving dot in the distance coming toward you, as it approaches, you see that it's a little rabbit. And as you see this rabbit move towards you, you see that there's this sort of area that these little floating black gray specks of spore material, whenever they enter this area, they dissipate. So there's this sort of bubble around the rabbit that your mold doesn't work on. And he passes by one of the trees you tried building. And as he approaches it, the area of his bubble melts away the blackened streaks and the viney mass. And it starts to look like what you wanted it to look like. And as soon as he moves away, there is this sort of creep of those vines over. It's slow enough that you almost can't parse it, but you know it's happening. What's different between Bambi Dreamscape before and Bambi Dreamscape now? The fur of the fawn is a lot grayer. Now that she's eaten, she doesn't look like a zombie deer. Which for the listeners is a real thing. It's a prion disease in deers. Horrifying. It is. It is very scary. But she doesn't look like a zombie deer anymore. She just looks possibly deceased. Either that or you're looking out the window and the window is dirty. But there's something wrong. Like there's some sort of filter over her. Wherever she steps, grows little mushrooms. The cute ones. The little cappy boys. You know, kind of pop up wherever she steps. But even though they're the cute mushrooms rather than like mold, she hates it because it represents what she's become. And if she stays in one place for a very long time, it kind of becomes a little bit of a mushroom garden around her. Like a fairy circle, but a little bit more crusty than just the popping up of the white mushrooms. Like there's more colors. There's more different species of mushroom. There's a lot of those cagey boys. She sees the rabbit and then she lays down and curls up almost like a fawn in the wild. If you can't see me, you'll go away. Thumper comes closer to you. He enters this fairy circle. The mushrooms fall and dissolve away and little bits of grass spring up in their place. And as he nestles closer to you, the fur on your body mats down and gets a little glossier. Those little mushrooms that were popping up off of your body fall away and you start to look like you did before. And so he just sort of curls up next to you and puts one paw on your on your front leg shoulder and just says, hey, Bambi, how you doing? I'm not great, Thumper, but I'm here. We haven't talked in a while proper. There's some real scary stuff coming through. She don't know the half of it. Uh, probably no more than you think. After all, I'm always with you. Can't always talk like this, but I'm always with you. Yeah, you're right. She just kind of curls in a little bit tighter. He sort of hops up. You know how a cat will sometimes move its paws to, like, nestle in? Yeah. He sort of does the rabbit version of that. Making biscuits? Yes. He sort of does the rabbit version of making biscuits. And he does this on your back. Okay. Do you want to properly talk about it? What's there to talk about? I mean, I'm dead. That's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is I got my best friend back. A little different, but you're still my best friend. You got your best friend back in theory, Thumper. Well, don't you love theories? <laughs> don't you play around with me, boy. I mean, there's a difference, yeah, but people change all the time. This is just another change, right? I mean, I suppose so. 
so we're still friends? I don't think I could live without you. I don't think we ever have. Nope, I've been with you as long as I can remember, too. Not that I'm complaining, I'm just, you know, I've always been curious. It was real scary for a couple weeks there, you know, when you first went away. How long was I gone? A couple weeks. I couldn't sleep, couldn't eat. I didn't really feel nothing. It was like I wasn't there either. Sorry about that. I just sort of wasn't with you. And I just sort of wasn't, if you know what I mean. Even when I woke up, I wasn't me either. I got a flash, and I was me again. But first thing I thought when when I came to with you popping back in, I thought, huh, I'm back. I'm me again. I could be me again. I can never go back to that. I can never go back to that. And her eyes well up with tears. And one little hoof rests across her snoot as if to cover her eyes. He unloafs and he gives you the rabbit equivalent of a hug around your neck. And he whispers in your ear, you'll never get rid of me. I'm so scared, Thumper. I hadn't even been too long and I'm, I'm trying to be alive. I'm a little bit jealous because everybody else has some semblance of being alive. Just a little bit. In their own way. I don't even sleep anymore. I, I've got a friend who told me what I look like when I fall asleep and I, I don't. I'm still awake on the other side. I'm just not me anymore. I'm really dead. And that scares me. Thumper's quiet for a long time. And eventually his response comes to you. Well, you seem normal to me. Now. Just, you know, sad. What do I look like to you? Do I look different? So something you notice if you look at yourself with Thumper actually right next to you is that you look normal. The mushrooms are gone and there's tufts of grass just like there used to be. Beyond the bubble, you do still see the trees that you made covered in rotting vines and spore snow that's raining down lightly in the distance. But there's a little bubble around you that feels just like before. You can't even see it, do you? You're still Bambi to me. But you can't see what I see. Oh, Thumper, it's so ugly. It's horrible. This whole place looks like a graveyard to me. Only thing that looks normal is you. God, you're the only thing I have hope for anymore. Well, like the usual, all I can do is be here for you. I'm here. And if I'm the only thing that's normal anymore, then I'll be normal. So in that case, want to build a dream castle? Friendly neighborhood surly turtle, Greg. And your social media manager, DeSombro.
Just cutting in for a quick shameless self-promotion to tell you to like, share, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. To take part in polls or ask questions that you'd like us to answer in future Wine and Spirits episodes, or just to enjoy some spicy memes. To find all our handles in one convenient place, you can visit us on our website at rfedpod.com. If you like our show, sharing the show with your friends or leaving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice will really help us grow and reach more people. And if you have a project or a business you'd like to promote on the show, reach out to us at rfedpod at gmail.com. As you come to consciousness, standing and bumping against a wall over and over again in your little underground room, there is a whining sound as the hinge on an iron-banded door opens. And you see Frankenbro is standing there holding a greasy-looking bag out to you in his multi-stitched arm. He brought me McDonald's! Rick, fish, sand. Which? Oh my god. Full circle. <laughs> and she's able to wipe her eye gently. She's very gentle with herself now, after being, you know, even though she's eaten and her skin is a lot tougher now, you know, she's still very careful with herself not to break skin. So, you know, she dabs her eyes with her fingers and looks up and says, thank you. By the way, what are you going by? What are your, what's your, what are you... Brichette? Chabret? Chabret. You got got a preferred name? You you got preferred pronouns? You take the bag, I assume? Yes, I take the bag. So he's still holding out his fist? Oh, oh, right, 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 right. And she, like, you know, pounds the fist and lets it blow up, you know, like a cool kid. There's a slow, like, release of fingers and a pullback of the arm, and, like, the littlest, the faintest twitch of, like, the ring finger. Like, he's trying to do the explosion. Oh, he's so cute. God. <laughs> Can we name him Bump? Yes, Bump. 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 I like that. Ah. <laughs> uh. By the way, I totally forgot. I wanted to gather the medicine, mushrooms, and herbs that I got from the herbalist store, and I'm gonna put them in a bouquet, and I'm just gonna leave them in Bambi's room. Aw. I have some unfortunate news for you, because I can't let that sweet gesture go, but usually by morning, the little vase or whatever is, like, overturned, and the flowers are spilled out. The message is received, Bambi, but you definitely, in the night, jumped at it or something, because there was movement and sound. And I have no idea who left it. Right. <laughs> she keeps coming to Greg and being like, well, thank you. And Greg's like, what happened? What did I do? It's more like, what happened? What did I do? Yeah, exactly. And, and Banks, in the, Banks in the background just kind of like sad face because she has no yeah. idea it's him. Yeah. Secret admirer time. It is just before sunrise, so all of you are awake. Khaled has asked you all to be here and to look presentable for company. 
he's specifically asked Greg to uh, to scrub some of the dirt off and do something about the smell. And to put some pants on. Greg is not putting pants on. I'm imagining Greg with like a t-shirt that has the butler clothes on it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yes, it's a tuxedo t-shirt. So good. I think that's like his version of being dressed up. But he also has uh, the vampire velvet cape and a fedora. Yes. All right. So um, he's asked you guys to look presentable. And thus, here you are. At the top of Calypso's Tower, the West Tower, or the Travel Tower, Colette is preparing his teleportation circle. It's still mainly a chalk circle on the floor, but some of you can start to see that there is etching into the ground where it's started to become slightly permanent from repeated castings. The chalk outline has this faint greenish shimmer, but the chalk itself is blue, so it's an interesting sort of transition. If you were to run your fingers over the chalk, you would definitely really feel that slight etching in the stone. As Khaled finishes the last of the runes, he claps his hands together and mutters a brief spell. The circle flares like a match and seconds later dies back down. Then he makes another series of gestures and says, Now! The ring flares up again and six figures pop in to the opposite side of the circle. The first figure through the portal is a tiefling of fairly advanced age. His skin is a light red, but not a natural light red, more like nearly pink. This is not a healthy color for a tiefling, but he has salt and pepper hair and a very buffed to the point of gleaming set of black curled horns. He's got on red robes with gold intricate embroidery. It's almost like he's wearing a tapestry. And the images on this tapestry are like pictures of demonic creatures dragging humanoid creatures down into pits and torture scenes. It looks like it's a tapestry of hell. Then some more figures pop through. A female adult tiefling who has red skin, black hair, and she has these sort of like nubby dark gray horns. She's wearing this flowing red robe with a gold tassel sewn onto the shoulder. And then two more figures pop through. A young male and a young female. Probably adult humans, although adults in this setting is the equivalent of 15, so eh. They sort of look like Khaled, that sort of similar, like, slight lanky build with long arms and legs, but darker skinned and much younger. The male is really skinny and looks more like Khaled, and the female is a little bit, like, thicker, more muscular and, and taller. They both are wearing red flowing robes with no adornment. And then these two preteen tiefling boys pop through. They have deep red skin with shaved heads and black horns that are starting to curl outward. They look exactly the same. They're wearing the exact outfit. They're wearing black pants, black shirt, red tabard. They've gone and made the effort to look identical. Or the effort has been made on their behalf. Got it. You know, like parents dressing up their kids to, you know, whatever. So they're both struggling under the weight of this massive steamer trunk. The three younger adults in the red robes are all carrying duffel bags, and the old tiefling is carrying nothing in his hands. I would like to use minor illusion in order to make some party poppers. Like, ta-da! You're a monster in so many ways. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So the sickly, unhealthy, pale, older tiefling comes forward, and he embraces Khaled, and after he's done embracing, he steps back. Almayit Alihig Al-Khaled, it is good to see you. And Khaled says, 
Shatan, men used to die. It is always good to see you, old friend, but there is no need for such formalities. And then Shatan, as you now know him, simply nods. Allow me to introduce you to my acolytes. This is Esma, first among my apprentices. He introduces the female tiefling who was wearing the gold tassel. These are Hulk and Raida, my lesser acolytes. And he refers to the two flowing red robes. And these are Naim and Nadim of no rank. Khaled nods. As always, my home is your home. These are among my creations. Greg, Bambi, Banked, and Sanjana. He, he's got like incredible names. They've got ranks and uniforms and it's like, yes. And Khalid is like, this is my family. I pulled them out of the garbage. Uh, that was actually a raccoon. And I love them. Watch out. One of them has rabies. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> Only one doesn't have rabies. And I don't know which one it is. <laughs> yeah, that's more accurate. It's a Russian roulette of which one doesn't have rabies. And they all bite. <laughs> <laughs> These are my garbage children. I love them. I got them out of the garbage. <laughs> That's so accurate. This is my trash cat. <laughs> and this is Bump. And this is Bump, my youngest child. <laughs> Bump. <laughs> I took two of the worst people and I made them one person. Go me. <laughs> <laughs> so Khaled is just like... We'll have a formal dinner this evening. However, I'd like as much as you to begin the work. Of course, Khaled. Of course. Yes, I shall leave your acolytes in the care of my underlings. Please follow. And they leave. And you are now with these five young adults and tweens. So, uh, does anybody know how to play Jenga? tasked with showing them to their rooms, getting them set up, hopefully helping the tweens with the giant steamer trunk so that they don't crush their little spines under the weight. Pobrecitos. They'll be fine. <laughs> Two completely opposite ends of the spectrum reaction there. After they're all settled in, you go and you move the contractors from their area and you commence your normal daily routine activities. And also you've been tasked today with setting up a formal dinner this evening. Now Greg obviously goes immediately to bed because the sun is up and there are windows. That leaves my question for you, Sanjana, because I find it funny and I wonder what would happen. With you and Bon Appetit figuring out the menu for this evening's meal, let me tell you the choices you have. <laughs> you've got goats, you've got pigs, you've got chickens, you've got sheep, you've got a vegetable garden with various vegetables of any kind. It is early spring, so there's not a lot, but there's a greenhouse. So like during the late part of the winter, there was maybe some stuff going. Like beans that you started sprouting early and are almost ready now. But there's still some stuff from town you could have had delivered by this point. So tell me the menu that you're working out with Bon Appetit. Okay, we're going to have fresh slaughtered lamb, extremely on the rare side. We're going to have a light salad. Everyone likes a light salad with some baby greens. <laughs> Fresh goat cheese and milk. And whatever has been fermenting under there, 
I imagine we'd have some good cider or something. Ah, yes, and I'm also sure an assortment of different kinds of pickled vegetables. Okay, so that that can also go on there. Nice shepherd's pie, because who doesn't love shepherd's pie? And any fresh fruit that's around. And so it is. And mushroom soup a la Bambi. Oh, God. <laughs> Bent, how could you? You're not involved in this, you monster. Oh. You're mean. <laughs> oh. Isn't that some sort of cannibalism? I'm not sure. I think we should leave it to our audience to decide that for themselves. Because if it came off of me... Well, it's just Gamer Girl bathwater. That's basically what it is. Oh, God. <laughs> Ew. But also, you can make your decision on Twitter. We are at RFEDpod. Definitely send us a message and follow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Remember to tweet at us to tell us whether or not eating mushrooms is cannibalism for Bambi. Um, whether or not everybody else eating mushrooms from Bambi is cannibalism on their part. Because if it was Bambi eating mushrooms, then it would be auto-cannibalism if they came from her. Of course. A distinction. Let's definitely have that discussion on Twitter. So that evening, after Greg wakes up, the contractors have been sent back to their parapet, or whatever the top part of the tower is called. The dinner places are set, and skeletons wearing waiter uniforms are laying out the table and setting up the nice silver, uh, setting up the trays and bringing up the food course by course. Khaled and Shatan are sitting, talking in their raspy voices at the big kids' table. Meanwhile, you and the tweens and the uh, other acolytes are sitting at the kitty table. Wait, so all of us are sitting at the kitty table? All of you are sitting at the kitty table. That makes sense. Meanwhile, uh, Shatan and Khaled are enjoying each other's company and catching up on old times. Oh, did you hear about Edna? Oh, no, I didn't hear about Edna. What happened? Hmm, cancer. Oh, no. Did you hear that so-and-so got married and then got fat? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. It's like, uh, we're catching up. It's like, ah, how's Trudy? Oh, dead. Oh, how's Jeff? Dead. How's the so-and-so? Also dead. Oh, boy, we are old. No, there was just a fire at the family reunion. <laughs> I started it. I was the one that started the fire. <laughs> Uh, so they're catching up on which of their friends are still alive or dead, that fun game. Meanwhile, the four of you are sitting across from the five of them. I would like for the awkward small talk to begin. Okay, first off, I need to preface with Bambi is very upset because this is all good food and I cannot eat it. Well, you can. It would just rot inside of your body. Exactly. And so every time she gets food, she just kind of like awkwardly takes it off the table and puts it on her lap so that no one can actually see it and then sticks her hand in it so that she is politely eating the food in the way that she knows how. But no one else has to see the mold and the mildew and the mushrooms. But there is some sort of smell that's going on from her lap and she looks incredibly embarrassed and very upset. Definitely some outgassing. Oh yeah, absolutely. She's already probably been sat the furthest away from anyone, just kind of like the pleasant little, well, hi, my name's Bambi, that went on like to try to introduce herself individually to everybody, is now sitting in the corner of shame with her shoulders slumped and just kind of in the corner. So if you're at the corner of the table, then Nadim and Naeem are across from you. The chillins? 
Yeah, they have this scared, dejected look on their faces, and they're just trying to be as polite as possible, constantly looking over their shoulder, cutting into their food, keeping their mouth closed as they chew, and trying to make as little noise as possible. I, I can tell you two are used to not making noise, huh? Instantly, in unison, look up from the food, their eyes lock on yours, that silent, creepy head nod. Are y'all allowed to talk? They look at each other, they look back to you, and they both shake their head in unison. <laughs> I see. Um... Are people allowed to talk to you? They look at each other, look back to you, nod their heads in unison. Like Muppets? Do you you need permission to talk, or or is it just a... They don't even look at each other. They quickly nod their heads up and down. Can I give you permission to talk? They look at each other, they look back at you, and then they look down at their plates, and they just shake their heads. I'm gonna lean in. I'm gonna go, so, should we all just talk about our masters? (laughs) Like, I want to see their reaction. (laughs) The second you say that, Esma glares at you. Evil eyes. Pure hatred. Don't you dare. Dare insult your master. Bambi leans over. Greg's probably sitting next to Bambi, I can assume. Yeah, I'm, I'm obviously. So uh, Bambi leans across whoever is in between Bambi and Banked and smacks him in the chest. Kind of like the older sibling going, shut up. Oh my god. Yeah, it's fine. It's like disciplining the younger brother. I'm already dead. What more do I have to lose? That's interesting. I'm going to keep an eye out for any reactions that Esma has for the rest of the night. Is she teacher's pet? Or is she, like, daughter of? Like, what's the feel that I'm getting? I want you to make an insight check. Because that's exactly what that skill is for. That's exactly what that skill is for. Ooh, dirty 20. Sexy. (laughs) So the feeling you get is utter devotion. Ooh. The kind of devotion you would expect from a lieutenant in a cult to a cult leader. Oof. Everything about this woman is pure intensity. I like her. Okay. She's the antithesis of me. (laughs) She is like my foil to the extreme. Just as an ancillary benefit because of that dirty 20, the lesser acolytes... They look pretty similar to each other. Your best guess, they might be cousins. Oh, uh, uh, um, if not gender pronouns, then gender presentation. Like, what do they what do they present as? And do we know what they like to be called? Uh, they are cisgendered. Cisgendered what? Oh, Esma is a female tiefling. Okay. Hoke is a human male. Raida is a female human. Naeem and Nadim are both male preteen tieflings. Male. Got it. Okay. Uh, okay, so now that we have an idea of who they are, Esma, Hawk, Raida, Naeem, and Nadim. Okay. Anybody else want to make awkward conversation at the kitty table? Oh, yeah, totally. Sanjana's going to go look at the um, little preteens and say, so did they tell you what happens after your horns start to curl? <laughs> you guys know what happens? They look at each other. They look back to you. Roll an insight check real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, puberty chokes. <laughs> I rolled a six. Oh, God. So they look at you, and they both give that knowing nod. We totally know what's going to happen. We know all about the sex. And you believe them. <laughs> leans forward and kind of goes, I actually, I actually don't know what does happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite confused as well. <sighs> so now Sanjana is going to have the birds and the bees talk with me. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> it's not even gonna happen to Bambi. Bambi's just intensely curious. 
So Lena, tell us about <laughs> tiefling puberty. <laughs> <laughs> well, children, gather around. Oh, God. I learned it on the street, so I guess y'all gonna learn it right here at the table. <laughs> <laughs> she just wipes everything off the table and gets on it. <laughs> <laughs> She looks at one of the twins. You, have you started to pluck out hairs from your chinny chin chin? They both look at each other and they both point to their armpits at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) And they have this really worried look on their faces. Well, don't tell any of the adults because they get really squeamish about this. But, uh, you know, if you pluck out those hairs... And you burn it at midnight, you can get anybody you want. They'll fall in love with you. But you gotta burn it at midnight, so you're gonna pluck it out. Deception check, please. At this point, (laughs) Bambi knows. No, Bambi, you don't know. Use an insight check. Oh, God. Uh, I'm going to try to make myself look as pretty as possible right now. Are you going tiefling pretty or are you going banked pretty? No, I rolled a nine. Ah! Banked pretty. Oh, okay, good. You're very shiny for some reason. Yeah. That sort of like dancing in the club glistening shiny. Oh, yeah. Oh, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a V for some reason. Ooh. (laughs) Going full Chris Angel here. (laughs) So what'd you roll for your deception? I rolled 22. And I rolled a nine for my insight. Bambi, (laughs) this is true. You now know that pubescent tiefling hair can be burned in a love ritual. (laughs) This is now a true fact for you. (laughs) and the two tiefling boys look at each other and you can see there's clearly some gears turning in their head nodding to each other they'll make eye wiggles clearly a secret twin language (laughs) and then they shake hands and then they look to you and they nod (laughs) shake hands (laughs) (laughs) what does that mean what does that mean who are they aiming for an agreement has been made shake hands no Meanwhile, the two humans at the table raise their eyebrows and then they look down at Nadim and Naeem calculating something. <laughs> and meanwhile, Esma is just staring at you intensely as well. Like, don't you lie to them. But I see you're not correcting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sanjana just shrugs and said, just helping out the youth like I was helped out. Now, don't burn too much you don't want to go crazy and start a harem such <laughs> is so cool such ah. is so cool <laughs> oh this gives a whole new meaning to burning bush oh, no. God. Oh. God. Oh. we need some sage here <laughs> let's just purify the energy in this uh I love how I said. Yeah, really. That we need to we need to purge the air. <laughs> so the food is good for anyone who is you know tasting it. Bon appetit. Clearly, chef kissed this. Question: Is Bone a title and his name Appetit? That's just what Khaled calls him when he refers to him. Oh, okay. It's your nickname. <laughs> does he say it like Bon appetit, or does he emphasize Bone appetit? Does he know he's making a pun? I honestly don't think he does. That's perfect. <laughs> We need to give him a name tag. 
But he's the chef skeleton. You know him. No, yeah, but, like, the guests don't. That's true. I'm going to turn to one of the tweens, and I'm going to go, did you know that we have a skeleton chef named Bon Appetit? Laugh. Laugh. It's funny. It's funny. (laughs) They look at each other, and they look at you, and they are very confused. (laughs) I mean, we also have an organ ghost named Calypso that likes to play the organ at all hours of the night. I'm going to turn to Bambi, and I'm going to wiggle my eyebrows, and I'm going to put out my hand. (laughs) <laughs> for a handshake. <laughs> We're gonna handshake in front of them, and they're gonna be so confused. Banged and Bambi are gonna do the same thing the twins did, but from, like, like Banged and Bambi are the furthest away from each other, so they're, like, yeah. farmhouse reaching across Greg and Sanjana. Uh, So that was a fun dinner. Everyone is shown to their quarters afterward. You uh, resume your nightly duties, and because Banked, you have been up basically all day and all of last night, you are exhausted. That's exciting. And Greg, you just had breakfast. You were given a live chicken and you juiced it at the table. (laughs) I was like... (laughs) No, no. Yeah, that's like what I'm doing the entire time you guys are having that conversation. I'm lapping up the chicken with my beak, making like weird slurpy turtle noises and like making a complete mess while I'm eating it. By the way, I just want to say when I go to sleep, I sleep in a giant mason jar. Continue. Nice. (laughs) Nice. And I just turn it to bone broth. Do you have a lid? I don't know the lid that well. Sorry. So everyone is in bed. Sanjana is in her quarters. Greg is doing his nightly rounds, making sure that the zombies and the skeletons are cleaning up in the evening, doing the night work. It is sometime around midnight when suddenly there is this massive blaring of a pipe organ and everyone is roused awake in their various states of dress and everyone is moving and hurrying toward Calypso's tower. And there, just at the second landing area, one of the portcullises has fallen and pinned beneath it, you find the dead body of Shatan. <gasps> oh no! Oh, yes! It's a murder <laughs> mystery! It's Clue. Oh God, we're gonna do a murder mystery. It was the candlestick in the library. Thirty bucks. It's Esma. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Rocks Fall, Everyone Dies. It would really help us if you subscribe, share, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Our theme music is by Taylor Calise, additional sound effects courtesy of zapsplat.com, and our thumbnail art is by John Bliss. Find more of his work on Twitter at John Blissart. Our episodes are produced by me and co-edited by our resident mushroom Jin, who streams on twitch.tv slash phantomclip. Our social media manager is our favorite surly turtle, Sombra. You can find all of our social media handles and full show notes on our website, rfedpod.com.